Once a month, we open up the lines to your questions. Today, Bonnie and I respond to your questions with ideas, resources on this Q&A show. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 256. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your leadership skills. And we're a big believer in dialogue. Uh, Dialogue certainly with the guests and experts that we have on the show, but also dialogue with you, our listening community. And uh, once a month, we open up the lines to your questions. And Bonnie often joins me. Actually, I say often, but really... You're always here every You want to keep me on my guard, though, just in case so I don't let the quality suffer. You know, there could be be a wild group of people out there just vying for your job. I got to stay in tip-top shape. It's good to keep your talent motivated, you know? Mm -hmm. That's uh, the way to do it, through coercion. (laughs) Yes, as we often mention on this show, (laughs) coercion and fear. Uh Great leadership tactics to use. So we have a bunch of questions this month, and let's just jump right into it, Bonnie. This first question is from Fan. Just curious, I'm wondering if you'll have a discussion about networking at the business partnership level. Does this person exist through networking? Or does this person only exist from the lifetime friendships, family, or coworkers that I've known? Fan, I think you have zeroed in on one of the most difficult questions in business, which is how do you find the best business partner? And this is <laughs> this we are not gonna have a clear answer on this question, I can assure you, because you can find who you think is the perfect business partner and find out later that they're not. And there's been a lot written and said about this over the years, and there will be again. I do have a few thoughts for you on this. And I think that it's uh, broadly helpful for our entire audience too, is I'm a big believer in attracting versus recruiting. So you generally have a sense of the kind of person that you may be looking for, and yet you're not sure where they are in the world or where they may be showing up in your network. And I think that uh, you could approach this one of two ways, potentially both, is you could go out and try to actively find that person. I think another way to look at this, though, and I'd encourage you to do this, is to think of what are the activities, the relationships, the organizations, the kinds of things that you can do that would attract that kind of person, or you'd be around that kind of person. And uh, I think about this in the context of just... I'll just use myself as an example here for a moment. I mean, if I wanted to enter into a business partnership, I don't, by the way, but if I did, there are a whole bunch of people that I've met through building the Coaching for Leaders podcast over the last few years that potentially could be relationships that I could build and explore around a business partnership. And part of the reason that the opportunity has come to potentially engage in some of those conversations is by just going out and doing something that's valuable to people. And so I'm wondering, I don't know what industry you're in or what your area of expertise is, but I wonder what you could start doing within the professional organizations you're associated with, within the media potentially, what kind of writing could you do? Could you set up a blog? What are the kinds of things that you could really be helpful to people out there in the world? And through that activity, develop an expertise, to develop a following, and through that also start to develop 
if not the people themselves, the people that would know the people who would be the kinds of folks that you're looking for. The other thing that I thought about, Bonnie, when I was reading through this question is that he should listen to the podcast Startup, at least the first season of Startup. Hmm. There's so much in Startup is a really fascinating case study of a business starting, particularly a business where there's partners involved and funding and raising capital. If you haven't already listened to the first season of Startup, I think that would be a really interesting listen in thinking about the context of what are all the challenges and also a lot of the landmines in forming business partnerships. And now we have a next question from Ruben. Ruben asks, any recommendations on 360 surveys? We're looking at testing this in our organization and wanted some thoughts. I have not used 360 degree surveys. And by the way, for anyone listening who's not familiar with what they are, the person who's being evaluated traditionally performance models would have that person evaluated by their manager. But in the case of 360 degree performance evaluations, the person's manager reviews them, the person's peers review them, and the pers- the people who report to the individual review them as well. And they can be incredibly powerful. Having a more diverse look at how we are impacting and influencing an organization can be really powerful. But I have found them to sometimes be lacking in terms of the commitment. It isn't one of those things that you just start and then stop And we've completed the 360 degree review, we've accomplished our goal of doing that, and now we can go on to business as usual. I have been both a person who has received 360 degree feedback, and then I also have been someone who has provided it for others. And if the conversations aren't going to continue after that feedback is given, then it almost stirs up more than I think is worth it, because it's really... I mean, when you have that kind of feedback, you're going to see things from a lot of different perspectives. And I know one of the areas, this is many years ago when I received one, was that I needed to become better at lateral relationships. I was a newer vice president at the time, and then to learn to go. And because for me, I I always had a real tendency toward working as a team. And as I've said before on the show, working as an executive, we don't often work as teams. They're more working groups where we're we're providing information to each other, but not necessarily collaborating very closely on accomplishing common goals. And I was really pleased with that feedback, but I think just the feedback itself wouldn't have done me any good. The reason why it was helpful to me is because the person who provided it coached me along the way for probably, I would say, I'm estimating about a year's time. And up, this was a time when you really do, oh, see this other thing, you're working in this project and you didn't really go and, and, and you're kind of missing out on this one vital person for you. And it was just really helpful to have that ongoing feedback. So if you're going to do 360 degree feedback, there needs to be the commitment of those ongoing conversations about the feedback so that the individual can actually have a chance to make a change. And then the other piece of advice I would have is specifically around helping the person receiving the feedback to identify one or two key areas Because you're, as I said, you're going to get a lot of different perspectives and it's too overwhelming to try to completely change oneself over the course of, you know, two weeks. I got it. I got this. I'm a different person now. And just being able to really hone in takes a lot of discernment 
And you as a leader can be really helpful in that process, whether you're doing that for yourself or whether you're helping someone else do it. And Dave, I'm looking at your screen because I could not remember the name of the tool that I've used a number of times and it happens to be on your screen. So I suspect you're probably about to talk about it. I, I am. I actually have a couple of recommendations for those who are looking for tools that Bonnie and I are both familiar with. And although I would echo Bonnie's caution on this... I think there's a tendency in some organizations and in some leaders with some leaders to see a 360 as kind of the end all be all of professional feedback. And to Bonnie's point, it if it's used well, it should be one data point for leadership development. It should not be the stopping point. And it's it's much more effective as part of a broader coaching program or a training program as one part of that development process. And I have seen it used worth it's just the 360 and you're done. And I think that that is dangerous. The other thing I would advise is for anyone who's thinking about using a 360, if you're just doing it for yourself and you're looking for a tool and getting other people to rate you, that that's one thing. If you're going to integrate it as part of a broader leadership development program or coaching experience that's involving a number of people, make sure you work with someone who knows what they're doing around that and administering a 360. There are so many things that can come up with 360s on confidentiality, um, expectations on who is going to see what, people being able to tie feedback to other folks. And so you have to be really clear up front with everyone on what the expectations are. I just I just had a situation come up with a client last week who got feedback on a 360 and is pretty sure the person who gave them feedback didn't know that they were going to be able to read verbatim what the feedback was. And it turns out they are able to read verbatim with and he knows exactly who it is. That's an uncomfortable situation to put someone in in an organization for for all parties. So uh, just be cautious. Know what you're doing. If you've never administered 360s before, make sure you talk with someone who has and has got experience doing that. Now, that said, if you're looking for a couple of tools, one of them I'd recommend is the Leadership Challenge work that's done by Kuzis and Posner. One of the best books I think out there on leadership development is the Leadership Challenge. It's on my top 10 uh, reads for leaders. And they have a series of assessments that go along with their model and one of them is a 360. It's the Leadership Practices Inventory. I think it's LPI 360. I have heard many good things about that tool over the years. I believe I used it myself a while back, and I've also seen a number of the reports. I've heard great things about it. And I think that's a great tool because not only is it a, a popular one, but it also integrates with a very large, very solidly grounded model on leadership, which is really helpful. The other one that I'd mention is uh, one you introduced me to a while ago, Bonnie. The folks at Human Synergistics have a really good set of assessments that are very different than I think what a lot of people are used to seeing with assessments, but I found their model to be really helpful and broad enough that I think the feedback's really helpful as far as the metrics around what are areas generally to focus in and zero in on. And I found that to be helpful for clients in the past too. So hopefully I'll give you a few ideas to get started on as far as 360 instruments. And before we go to the next question here, speaking of resources, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already joined the weekly leadership guide, I hope you'll do that because I send on Wednesdays to folks in the community here, a list of all the things we've talked about on the show. So as we're going along here today, we're capturing all of these resources. We put the links in the show notes each week, and I link to that on the weekly leadership guide. So if you're not already getting that in your inbox on Wednesdays, make sure that you do join up because you'll also get along with that 
a list of the best articles, podcasts, other resources that I found online during the week that will support you in your leadership development. And I mentioned a moment ago, the Leadership Challenge book by Kuzis and Posner. It is one of the books that's on my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others. So if you'd like access to that along with getting the weekly leadership guide on Wednesdays, just go to Coaching for Leaders dot com slash subscribe. And that's the best way to get access to that. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Bonnie here for the next uh, question from Jamie. Last year, I became a manager with two supervisors as direct reports. Are there podcasts or articles in the archives that you would recommend to a new leader of other leaders? How can I help those that report to me be the best leaders they can be? To add to it, One of the supervisors was not able to stay in a role because they didn't pass a certification test. They are still part of the team, though. I now have one supervisor as a direct report and am fulfilling the other supervisor role at the same time as being the manager. I could use some help trying to navigate this dynamic. Any advice to where to start in educating myself with resources that are out there? Well, Jamie, thanks so much for the question. Sounds like a challenging situation and good for you for already seeking out ways to do this. By the way, listening to a podcast on leadership is a great start. And it is a broad question of what are the things to be thinking of. So I do have a few specific recommendations that'll be helpful and then a couple of broad thoughts, perhaps. One of them is we did do a show a while back, episode 98 with Pam Fox Rollin. And Pam has a book out, I think it's in its second edition now, called 42 Rules for Your New Leadership Role. It is aimed at leaders of leaders. And so if that is something that's top of mind for you, which it sounds like it is, I think that you'll find that listening to that episode will help you zero in on some of the key things that Pam and I identified that are helpful for new leaders. It also may be a helpful read for you. So check that out. We'll link to it in the notes. The other book that came across my radar screen recently is um, for many years, I've recommended the book, The First 90 Days. I think you had read it a while back, Bonnie. I also got a great recommendation recently from a couple of our mastermind members that there is a book out called Your First 100 Days in a New Executive Job by Robert Hargrove. Now, full disclosure, I have not read that book, but it comes highly recommended from a few others. And unlike the first 90 days, which is a more general book for a broad population of folks starting a new job, the first 100 days is apparently a much more focused book for leaders of leaders as far as following a very structured process on how to approach the start of the role like you are. And then the other thing that I would add in uh, to program notes, I guess, next week, this isn't exactly your question, Jamie, but I think it's relevant to the question, is one of the questions that I often get, and I've gotten several times now over the years, is how do I manage people who used to be my peers? So I'm not sure from the context of your question if that's the case for you or not, but we've gotten this question so many times that actually next week's episode is going to be exactly on that topic. And my friend Tom Henschel from the Look and Sound of Leadership and I are going to be, or in fact, we've already recorded our thoughts on that. And so that's coming in next week's episode. I think you'll enjoy listening to that just as a thinking point as well and some of the things and navigating that dynamic and the things you speak of. I think that's a good a good list of things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to Bonnie here for the next question. Oh, no, wait, I'm going to read this one, right? All right, let me read this one. The next one is from Philip. Philip says, I don't think I've heard on the show what to do when leaders become the one who is searching for new opportunities. It may sound irrelevant because we would expect leaders to be able to find employment. 
But what about those leaders who grew through an organization a little too fast, and when it comes time to search for opportunities in similar organizations, the experience is not enough? I was promoted too quickly in an organization. As business goes these days, it seems anyway, organizations restructure and reevaluate and replace personnel. Unfortunately, I was deemed too inexperienced to hold the position I had. Then when searching for related work, much of the conversations focused around experience. I'm not looking for pity, but more of an outlook on circumstances like this where individuals who are invested in their growth struggle to find new opportunities that others just seem to fall into. Bonnie, what thoughts do you have on this? I think that I might have perceived at one time that people just fall into opportunities. And what I have discovered since is really a perspective that there are a lot of other people that had these things figured out a lot better than I did earlier in my career. One of the big takeaways that I had from a difficult, turbulent time in my own career was that it's actually healthy to not be completely loyal to one's employer. When we're super loyal, and I've talked about this before on the show, there's a wonderful author, Peter Block, who talks about the dependent relationship that can emerge when we are so myopically focused on the organization that we work for. It's it's become sort of a parent-child type of relationship. You're providing for me, but I never get paid enough, and I don't have enough benefits, or they're not good enough. And it just creates kind of this tension that I don't think is healthy. So I have appreciated kind of a new perspective, which he coins as more of a he doesn't say this word, but more of an entrepreneurial. So it's you're being an entrepreneur, but within an organization. And this idea that, yes, I do glean things from my employer and I'm grateful to work there as long as our missions are coinciding, that that I the things that I feel a deep sense of meaning and significance, there is enough crossover with my employer to make that a good fit. But I also have a healthy realization that I have a lot to contribute And it isn't like I'm entirely dependent for my existence on this one in one organization. And I think that helps me not become too bitter in what in my dealings in the business context. I think it helps me really bring a sound so corny, but bring my best self really feeling like I do make a good contribution and that there's a good fit there. There are a couple of specific pieces of advice I would have for anyone listening to always have in your career. And always have in the back of our minds that we don't know what's going to happen. Things can happen that are completely beyond our control. There there are all kinds of external factors that can cause great changes in entire industries sometimes. I think those of us that are old enough to have lived through the mortgage crisis knew many people who had been with their employers for decades. And all of a sudden they wake up and they don't have a job anymore but especially, okay, not having a job, (laughs) what about not really having a sense of how the skills that I've developed over decades in the mortgage business, for example, are transferable to other industries. And a lot of people that I've spoke with over the years since that happened have just said, wow, that was a huge wake up call for me to be thinking more in terms of you never know what's going to happen. And therefore, I need to do some things. And one thing would be to have a list of executive search firms who you are in touch with in some way. And when I first learned about executive search firms, I thought these were companies that the person paid. 
I need a job, so I'm going to pay you to find me a job. And when you don't have a job, then it's really hard to imagine paying someone to find a job because you're thinking, if I had money, this probably wouldn't be an issue for me. But most of these employers, not all, but most of these companies make their money by the company that would hire you. They're paid a certain percentage of the person's first year's earnings, and that's how they make their money. So they would love to meet someone with great skills and and to be a good match for whatever position that they're seeking to hire. And they're also just really good networkers themselves. They have more of a long game view, the good ones do, to say maybe this particular position isn't a good match for you, but If we get to know each other a little bit when something else comes up, but then if you're in a position where you're looking for a search firm to find a great candidate for you, you might think about calling us. So I've met some wonderful people that way. A lot of the search firms that are really strategic and thinking differently will have networking groups that they'll put on, speakers that they'll do, and and just that idea to be aware of what's going on in the recruitment side of your industry or your particular field of work. Another important aspect of your work is going to have whatever social media that you're present on, be thinking about how you're presenting your own personal brand. And so on LinkedIn, is your profile up to date? Is your profile one that has a lot of the keywords for the types of positions that you might be looking for if something were to occur? Do you have a professional headshot? When I look at that, do I see someone who's professional, competent, instant first impression and the, and the, and you want those eyeballs to go straight from that profile picture and keep on coming down and learn more and discover about you. And there's been some shows that Dave has done about LinkedIn before, which I think would be helpful to go back and listen to and find out more about how to do that. And then to be thinking about if someone were to Google your name, what kinds of things would they find out? Do you have any kind of a blog or do you tweet on Twitter, what kinds of ways are you sharing about your own competence and contributions to the field beyond just inside of the own organization in which you work. And I say this, by the way, I sort of am smiling as I'm telling you these things, because I'm not scoring perfectly on these things. I the in fact, I was I received this award in the last couple of months for my podcast. And I actually heard from one of the women who I just really connected with in a search firm. And I thought, I never reach out to her. She's always reaching out to me. And do I still have a list of search firms in Orange County? No, I do not. And so these are the kinds of things that your help, your question is actually helping me think about areas where I might need to go back and, and rethink those sorts of things. Although our circumstances are very different as you, as you pose this kind of question, but it's all good for all of us to be revisiting this from time to time. I agree with everything you've said there. And I'll add in a search firm can also help with perspective on what you're looking for, your qualifications, the salary ranges, the industry. Search firms can be really helpful with that in a lot of cases. So that's a that's another good data point that you'll you'll get. I have in my task management system to review my resume on an annual basis. And one of the things in answering your question I realize I need to add in there is reviewing my LinkedIn profile. I should be reviewing it probably more than once a year. But one of the things that changed recently with LinkedIn is that they shortened the description box for essentially the first thing about who you are and what you do. And mine right now, I think it's getting cut off. I don't even think you you can 
read the whole thing. So sometimes these tools change. Maybe they change the size of the images that they accept, or maybe they change the length of things. Or in fact, LinkedIn added volunteerism now, instead of just making a list of the kinds of things, you can actually specifically share the kind of volunteer work. And there's supposed to be a really high correlation between people who volunteer and having a better chance at receiving an opportunity. And these are all things where I'm thinking, oh, you gotta get back in there. And so that'd be a good thing for me to capture and make sure that I'm revisiting that. And and even though I, by the way, as Dave said, he doesn't want a business partner and I don't want another job right now. I'm very happy where I am, but that's exactly the time when we need to be doing things like this. Yeah, indeed. And I'm thinking as you're saying that we need to do another episode in LinkedIn because so much has changed and it is such an important platform for business networking. So uh, I've got, I'm gonna get that on my list here for us to to revisit that. The other thing that I would absolutely encourage you to do, Philip, is go listen to episode 209. It was aired about a year ago. It's with my pal, John Corcoran. John's been on the show several times. And this particular episode was all about how to get value from professional organizations. If I was starting from the beginning again, and I didn't have a network, and I didn't have traction in a particular industry... I would probably do exactly what John talked about on that show is I would find a couple of the organizations that I thought were going to be most relevant for what I wanted to do next. And I would go and I would add value and I would build relationships and I would interview people and I would take on roles within that organization. And um, I won't steal his thunder. There's a ton of things that he talks about in that episode that will really get you thinking on ways if you're starting with nothing and you're not because you have ex- you have experience so it may not be the experience that's lining up with what you want but you have experience but even if you're starting with nothing of what you can do that very practically will get you talking to people quickly building relationships with people and just as importantly start to build your brand as someone who's well connected who's helpful and that's where you begin those relationships that will ultimately need, lead to that next opportunity. And I haven't seen the numbers recently, but almost every article I've ever seen over the years on this keeps saying that something like 70, 75, 80% of new opportunities come from our professional network or at least start from there. So it pays off big time to invest the time and effort in doing that well. We'd love to consider your question for a future Q&A episode. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback in order to submit it for consideration, and we will tackle it, hopefully, in an upcoming Q&A show the first Monday of every month. In addition, there are several related library episodes that you may want to go back on that uh, most of them we mentioned here briefly in this conversation But a quick summary and one addition, first of all, Coaching for Leaders, Episode 98, Five Rules for Your New Leadership Role with Pam Fox Rollin. Mentioned her book during this episode. If you're in a new leadership role, that's a great place to start as a beginning point on what you can do and what you want to be thinking about. Also, uh, we didn't mention this in the episode, but Bonnie mentioned the term entrepreneurship. That is becoming a much more popular concept, if not the term itself. And a couple of years back, had Dan Schwabel on the show talking about how to promote yourself and others through entrepreneurship. That's episode 163. Check that out if what Bonnie mentioned sounded of interest to you. And then finally, I mentioned uh, toward the end, episode 209, how to get the best return on investment you can from professional organizations with John Corcoran. If you missed that show, 
It's one of my favorite episodes from last year. I'd really encourage you to check it out. There's so many great things John mentioned, as I talked about earlier. And for all the past episodes, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number that will take you right there to get access. I mentioned a bit earlier, next week I welcome back my friend Tom Henschel from the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast back on the show to discuss how to manage former peers. And we both share our thoughts and suggestions on what all of us can do when we find ourselves in that situation. I think you'll find it really helpful. So tune in next week. Thank you also to Aurora Boros MKE, I think that's how to say it, and Packy J for the kind review on iTunes. Packy J says, I have years of past episodes to binge on when I'm at the gym or navigating gridlock in DFW. Nobody wants to be navigating gridlock in DFW without a good podcast. Thanks so much to you both for a great uh, review on iTunes. If you'd like to leave one as well, coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Have a fabulous week and see you next week with Tom Henschel. Take care.